You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hey, what's up? Before you listen, I have a quick request from you. While you're over here listening, go ahead on down, give us a rating and a review, especially if you're on Apple Music. Let us know how much you appreciate what we bring, the conversation, the dialogue. Tell us how it supports you. Give us that good five star. We appreciate you. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it is amazing to see you here, where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here along with my co-host, India Jackson, to get the dialogue going. So, (laughs) I'm going to keep this one... Short and sweet again, but Indy and I talked about something that I don't know if it is as commonly understood and talked about as I would like it to be. And it's the fact that the work that I do, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is not just for white women. I'm going to just put that just like that, like just real straight, because... (laughs) I don't understand why, you know, all of the things that can cause this work to need to be done, that somehow we've hit this point that it seems as though the only people that need to work on it are white women. Now, am I going to say that there is a large responsibility that white women bear to do this work and where them doing this is a huge part of shifts that need to be made? Absolutely. However, comma, it's not just white women. Did I miss something? India, please tell me if I did. No, I think you covered it. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure where when people are aware of the fact that like there's things that need to be addressed, there's things that need to be talked about. There are places in their business and their life where Equity needs to be um, it, there needs to be more of it, and that things need to be more inclusive from an intentional place and from a place of being intersectional, like we all got work to do from being honest well, I mean, I think in general, people can easily put diversity, equity, inclusion work 
into the bucket of being black and white, especially here in the United States. Um, and it's so much bigger than that. I mean, it legit is variety, not black and white. Um, and there's so many other things within the spectrum of variety. And when you look at the other pieces of that, you know, the variety alone doesn't mean that everyone that wants to be included feels safe to be included, feels that they're accepted for who they are. And um, feels like they have a, a, a level playing field as the rest. Right. Well, and so I think that uh, there's this place of, you know, again, acknowledging that inclusion is not about everybody being included. It's about those that want to be included, being able to be a part of it. And there are, you know, business owners that want to have more inclusive business practices and, you know, communities, but that can't happen if you don't begin to do your own work to figure out, okay, everybody in here looks like me. And that goes to your skin tone, your religion, socioeconomic status, uh, your, your, your size, your location. Your physical abilities. Right. All of these things. And so when you turn around and realize that I'm in a room that everybody looks just like me, this is not exclusive to just white women. Yeah. It's not. One of the things that comes to mind for me um, that's been on my radar with people of all genders and all skin tones has really been like a phrase that I think we all use that I'm currently working on not using anymore, which is blind spots and how that's problematic. And that has nothing to do with your skin color. Mm -mm. No. And I can't tell you how many things as a whole show up that you just, you don't know and you don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, so, for example, as a black woman, I don't even know how I feel saying this, but I'm going to say it. Nobody would probably look at me weird if I used the phrase baby daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, I was reading an article the other day about somebody that's on, um, I think it's like HGTV or one of those. And she was like, I never saw myself as somebody that would have two baby daddies. And this was a white woman. And I was like, oh, no. And so I might not have thought anything about this at another point in my life. Right now, I'm like, oh, that is problematic for so many reasons. Because now I have a different viewpoint on it. And I think differently about it. But it took for me to be in a place to where I process that differently. And so... I had and still have my own work to do in the sense of what has been internalized in you that maybe you're not fully aware of what was normalized that you didn't consider whether or not it was okay or possibly offensive to say it. What, you know, do you do that you really don't think twice about that you have normalized that invalidates the way that somebody else has to show up in their life. Like one of the ones that showed up for me was like that whole phrasing of I stand with, and I've been trying to not say that anymore because it's an ableist stamp, um, standpoint to kind of come from that. Yeah. And so I've been trying to be like, I support, 
And so yeah. this is where I think it's so important to acknowledge that, for example, if somebody is working with you and they have all this written content and it's like, all right, there's all of these words or phrases popping up that need to be shifted in order to be equitable. But newsflash people, India is not a DEI expert. I just wanted to say that too. That's not what she does. (laughs) And so if that's what I do, then it's possibly something that I could support with. But you have to be willing to do it. This isn't something that I want to have to convince anyone or tell them you have to do this. You have to want to do this because there's a lot of conscious uncoupling, you know, and learning and unlearning that's happening with this. And so there has to be this place of being willing to not know being willing to get it wrong, being willing to feel like, yeah, this wasn't done with the same level of awareness that I have right now. And I want to move forward differently. Like, that's actually a good thing. That means you're evolving. That doesn't mean that you're terrible because you didn't know. It means you do know, and now you can do things differently. And I don't know, I guess maybe I'm saying this as my own bias of being a Black female in America, but um I think sometimes maybe we have more work to do and it looks really different because we don't just have the work of being a better ally and more aware of what we can say and do as people of color to hurt other people who are not like us, but we also have the inner work of the programming that was put on us, phrases like baby daddy that were actually used to hurt us that we now have used on each other in a more endearing way. And it's like, but why am I still doing that? I'm glad you said that because you're absolutely right. There is this huge deprogramming of, I don't want to consciously perpetuate these things that I was trained, so to speak, you know, to do in order to limit people that look like me, that live like me, that love like me. Well, and can we be honest to limit yourself? Yes. Or unfortunately, the system for people of color in America wasn't just to have other people. (sighs) We all know what that looks like, but it's also like done in a way to have you do it to yourself as a culture. Like we don't need to necessarily be oppressed all the time by white people or the system or whatever, because the system was built to make us hold each other down and be our own crabs in a barrel. And so I'm going to pause you there. I'm going to pause because what you said, everybody doesn't know. Essentially, there was a certain amount of programming that Black people were given in order to maintain order amongst ourselves so the white people didn't have to do it. And the same thing is done to each other, you know, across Black people, but even from a point of like, if you're skinny, you're in. So you got to make anybody that's not skinny, fat shame them and make them feel like their health is terrible. Like it, it's a it's a societal programming that does the dirty work. We 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 do it for I hate to say them because I hate that kind of thing, but it, yeah. I mean it is it's a it, it is what it is. And so there's this whole place of like, as a black person, we were programmed by the slave masters to be able to take care of you know each other and not in a good way. Like it comes to mind the Quentin Tarantino movie Django Unchained, like. Samuel L. Jackson's character, like, wait, I got it. I'll do it. But it's more than just black people against black people. That's a 
huge example of it, but it's basically, I am going to pit you against each other as marketing messaging to take care of the corralling and I'll let the system run on its own because you can do it for me. And we all have shit to deprogram, which is why I'm like, we all need to work on our stuff. Let's not exempt ourselves from this. Yeah, facts. One of the easiest examples that comes to my mind, and then I know we're going to wrap up, is taking the example of skin color, because it's one that we've all seen. And we could look at how Black people of a lighter skin color like myself walk through life being constantly reminded you're red bone or you're high yellow, made fun of or put on a pedestal, whatever that looks like based on skin you know, as a divisive mechanism so that Black people don't join together. But it goes beyond that, being very involved in Asian culture. It's the same thing over there. And they were programmed in a similar way that the whiter your skin is, the better you are. And so then you put Blacks and Asians together and we have the same problem. Mm -hmm. And that's where like, so the book that I always recommend, so you want to talk about race, she talked about the disparities when it comes to Asian culture and the lighter skin tones versus the darker skin tones. And it's, a, it's an actually, it's very informative how she speaks about it. It's easy for you to digest, but it's, it's a whole thing. And so, you know, at the end of the day, the whole point in this episode is for me to remind you like everybody has their work to do please don't exempt yourself please don't think you're above it please don't think you have to you know not do it like there's nothing for you to do but also remember you don't have to do it alone my final thoughts are the fact that diversity equity and inclusion do not recognize what ethnicity you are, what race you are, what gender you are, what sex you are, how you identify, who you love, where you live, your immigration status, or any other societal indicator or tag that just happens to be accurate for where you are in your life at this moment. But it is very important to acknowledge that we all have our biases. We all have those parts of us that aren't as equitable, inclusive, or as willing to see diversity as we would like. And so being able to remind yourself of that in order to step into a place of examining and reconsidering your normal. This is the whole purpose. This is for you to do, but it's work that you don't have to do alone. Examining your beliefs questioning your predisposed notions, considering the realities you're unfamiliar with, knowing that they're real. There's not much that we won't talk about here. It's because we want you to know that it's safe to talk about it and you don't have to do it on your own. We talk candidly so that we can open minds and hearts to different ways of thinking, feeling, and being. We want to bridge the gaps that contribute to fostering empathy. Pause on the play is about the things that matter, the things we all need, the things we all look for. Diversity, equity, inclusion, these are only just a few of the things that we stand by, for, and behind. We're here to get you challenging those assumptions, shattering those expectations, and stepping into the light of your own visibility. Share it with a friend, get them to step in with you. Know that you can do this, and until the next time,
Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From Implicit to Explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?